All right, so everybody who's wondering, hey, where's my little trinket thing today? Because actually people were bothering about it in first service, you know. About the, it's like you're like kids at McDonald's. You didn't get, you didn't get a toy in your Happy Meal or whatever. And it's like, wait a second, I can't, I can't sit here if I don't have my toy. Um, this actually, this sermon was supposed to be one sermon, but I had to break it into two because there was so much information. So we'll get it next week, okay, for this. It's two sermons in one, and you'll get it next week. Is that fair? Oh, uh, it's like, yeah, fine. You should have given us two, one for each of the halves of the sermon. Ah, oh, you guys are awesome. All right, open your Bibles then to Colossians chapter 3 and verse 3. And it says, For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You died, and your life is now hidden in Christ with God. We are in a series, okay, and we're talking about how we can grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ, that we are a work in progress. Every single one of us is a work in progress. We're trying to grow closer and closer and closer to Jesus Christ. That's the goal. And so we're here this morning, and we're talking through one of the most, really the most challenging uh, topics that we can touch on, if you will, this whole idea of dying to self. What does it mean to die to self? And again, in Colossians, it says, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Now, uh, I, I was a, a while back, I was talking to someone who had just recently lost their mom and they were kind of going through a struggle with that. They uh, they didn't have a, a great relationship with their mom, but it was good and it, and it got stronger as they got older. And they were trying to work through their feelings and trying to work through their loss and the grief. But they also had a younger sister and their younger sister really really was having a hard time, their younger sibling, with the loss of, of their mom. And so what she did was she, she kind of took a step back from her own grief and her own pain and began investing into her sister and just making sure she was there for her sister, allowing her sister to talk through all the things that she was going through, to feel what she needed to feel. And it was a real sacrifice. I mean, to be able to take a step back in your own grief and allow someone else to grieve and make sure you're focused on their grief, it was a, it was a selfless act. But now time had passed and she was, and she was feeling the weight of her choice. Because now she was working through those feelings pretty much on her own because it was maybe six, eight months, a year had passed since her mom had passed. And you know, people move on. But if you don't get a chance to grieve, then you kind of grieve alone. And that's what she was going through. But it was a real sacrifice for her. She was dying to self. I was talking to someone else and they were working with a friend and it was a coworker, a friend in this in this company. And they were working on a business project together. And this was a really important business project. So they both invested a lot of time and a lot of energy into, into their presentation. They would work on weekends. They were, they were working late. They wanted to get this down because it was, it was, it was important for their, for their own job security, if you will, to, to grow in that job security, to move up in the company. And as they got closer, Close to the end of the project, it was almost finished. His friend, coworker, went to the boss, went to the leadership, and basically took most of the credit for the project and secured themselves a stronger position in the company. 
went behind his back. He had done all that work. And the other person goes and basically takes most of the credit for the work, looks good in the eyes of the company and positions himself into a stronger position with the company. So what does it mean when God says to us, I want you to die to self? This is one of those things, you know, you're sitting in church, you go to church and and we start talking about this. And this is not easy. Okay, this is challenging. This is really challenging. The encouraging thing for me recently over the last like six months or so, the the, I say the deeper I get or the um, I'm trying to hit biblical principles and not easy for people to swallow, if you will that are not easy to apply to our lives. But the, the more I give, the more you want. And it's so encouraging to me. I figured at some point I, I'm going I'm to kind of push a little bit and people are going to push back a little bit. I've gotten no pushback from you at all. Only, hey, feed us more, give us more, give us more. And it's so encouraging to me. Well, this is one of those things where you say, give us more. This is where you go from exploring Christ to growing to Christ. You know, this is spiritual maturity. This is your way to spiritual maturity. You cannot be Christ-centered where Christ is the most important thing in your life. If you don't grasp this principle and you don't start working on it now, I don't care how young you are, okay? I want you to focus this morning. It's going to be, it's going to be challenging, but I need you to focus this morning because God calls us to to die to self. And what does it mean when he calls us to be selfless, when he calls us to die to self? Well, it means that we are dead to sinful attitudes. We are dead to our pride. We are dead to self-centeredness. And that is really hard because from a nature standpoint, from a natural standpoint, we are self-centered. We are selfish people, beings. And it's, it is very difficult to think of others before you think of yourself just in the world in which we live. Because everything tells you to think of yourself. To you're the most important. If you're not happy, no one's happy. It's, it's, it's constantly, constantly pushed on us. But God is saying you need to think of others more than you think of yourself. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 2, it says, it, we're talking about dying to self. What does it mean to die to self? What does it mean not to be self-centered and to focus only on yourself? In Romans 6, 2, it says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. Listen to what he says. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? When we were baptized, we were baptized into his death. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, your life is now hidden, okay? You died to yourself when you said, I accept Christ as my Lord and Savior, okay? You were justified, just as if you'd never sinned. All your sins were wiped out, okay? Going from from now to the past, all wiped out. You died, okay? to that sin you died to self and your life is now hidden when you came back to life if you will you're in Christ you're with Christ in God so now your focus is living for God it's living for Jesus Christ that is the most important thing that is the most important issue dying to self 
Or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Dying to self means that we, we have died to the games, if you will, to the concerns, to the desires of this world, to all of those things. In Colossians chapter 2, in verse 20, it says this, Since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, why as though you still, why, why as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Why are are you continuing to live out like you're not dead to those things? Why are you still living for the world? Why are you still so consumed with what the world thinks? Why are you taking all of your energy and time and thinking about things that honestly don't really matter that much? We spend, you think about all the stress that we go through and all the pain that we go through, even thinking about political things. Right. You can't go on CNN or Fox News or or MSNBC and all these things that are all telling the world's about to collapse all the time. If we don't stop so and so, or if we don't stop this person or that person, the world's going to come to an end. It's going to collapse. When they asked Jesus about that, he said, render under Caesar what is Caesar's and render under God what is God. Let's move along and talk about things that really matter. We don't play by the world's rules anymore. We don't live by the world's rules anymore. You died, Colossians 2.20, since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? Paul is saying that in the same way that Jesus was literally dead in the tomb, we, by virtue of our connection with him, have become dead to sin. Had, have become dead to worldly influences, have become dead to selfish ambitions. Those are the things that we need to die to. Those are the things that we need to not live for. And so much of the time we live for those things. We let them consume us. We, he, Jesus Christ, when Jesus Christ died, okay, he died, when he died, he, 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 he did something for us and in us that is transformational. It's transformational. He planted within our lives the ability to accomplish all that he calls us to accomplish. The Bible is not going to tell you when Jesus was feeding the 5,000, okay? And Andrew came to him and said, oh, these people need food. And Jesus said, well, you feed them. And then Jesus basically fulfills. He tells them to feed them. Jesus is not going to tell the disciples to do something. He's not going to give them the ability to do. Jesus, God the Father, the Holy Spirit, is not going to call you to do something that he's not going to give you the ability to do. So as hard as this is to even grasp, This whole idea of being dead to self. As hard as it is to grasp, it's not something that we cannot accomplish. It's something that we can accomplish. It's something that we can achieve. We died to the things that control everyone else. We died to those things and we gave our lives to Jesus Christ. And they have no more influence over us than the things that this world had over Jesus Christ when he was in the grave. They have no more influence over us if we would live this out. Here's the thing. 
The amazing thing is we may not be living this out right now because it for all of us, we're all growing. We're all trying to grow closer and closer to Christ to become. It's called sanctification, justification, right? It's a one time event. I asked Christ to come into my life. I was sealed by the Holy Spirit. I am now going to heaven. I am in him on his now sanctification is an ongoing process of trying to become more like him That's sanctification and then glorification is when we're in heaven and we we are perfected but we're going through that process here's the thing we may not be living that way right now this whole idea of dying to self you may not have achieved that yet But that's what you're capable of becoming through Jesus Christ. You are capable of what I'm going to talk about this morning. You're capable of what the Bible says this morning. That's a cool feeling to know that you have the ability through Jesus Christ. Because you died to those things. Hear me out. You died to those things. Do the dead let fears of this world consume them? Do the dead let the fears of this world overwhelm them? No, they don't. You go into a graveyard, ask yourself. I mean, think, walk into a graveyard and say, I wonder if all these people that are dead are really concerned and fearful of the things that are happening in the world today. They died. They're dead. They don't, they're not concerned about those things. Do the dead worry and stress about the daily concerns of life? Do the dead worry and stress about those things? No, they don't, because they're dead. You died to those things. They no longer control you. You let them. You still live in this world, and you still let them. You still let your fears overcome you and overwhelm you and hold you back from what God has created you to do. That still happens, but it doesn't have to. The stresses and worries of this world don't have to consume you and you will continue to grow and become more like Christ. And there will become there will come a point in your life where you can let those things go and you're not overwhelmed by them because you know that you die to those things and that God is in control of them. This passage of scripture really had a profound impact on my life. When I was 17 years old, I gave my life to Christ. I just turned 18. I was in Virginia. I was kind of alone out there. It's a long story, but I ended up going to college like six months later. But I was alone out there because that was my plan to move to Virginia after I graduated from high school and kind of be alone. Then I got saved, okay, and I didn't want to be alone. I want to share the gospel, everything that moved. But now I'm stuck in Virginia by myself pretty much. So I was reading my Bible, and this passage, man, it's just had a profound impact. It said, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not, they not sow or reap or store away in barns that your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? Answer is no. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the fields grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat and what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things, but your heavenly father knows you need them. The pagans run after them because they're not dead to these things. 
They strive after all these things. They run around wild trying to achieve all these things that honestly don't matter. That don't really matter in the, from an eternal perspective. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Colossians 3.3 tells us, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You don't have to be concerned about the things the world is concerned about. You no longer have to burden yourself with everything that everyone else is burdened by. Jesus wasn't burdened by those things when he was alive. And we died and our life is now with Christ. It is hidden in God, in Christ, in God. See, here's the thing. Christ Jesus, when you gave your life to him, is your treasure. And where your treasure is, what? There your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We've got to ask ourselves, where is our heart? Are we consumed with all these other things? Or should we, are we focused on Jesus Christ? Is he our treasure? This world had no power over Jesus when he was here. And even, obviously, now. This world had no power over Jesus. He was not limited by, nor was he controlled by, the things of this world. They didn't affect him. Do you think Jesus could care less about what the Pharisees thought or the Sadducees thought or the Romans thought or Pilate thought or the disciples thought? Do you think he cared? He cared about them as people. He loved them, but they didn't influence his decisions. They had no influence over him. They didn't control his behavior. He chose what was right to do. He knew what was right to do, and that's what he did because all he cared about while he was on this earth was pleasing God the Father. Jesus' only concern while he lived on this planet was pleasing God the Father. And now we, our lives are hidden with Christ in God, and that should be our only concern as well. If we died to your old self, you used to be Someone, okay? And that person, when you gave your life to Christ, that person died. And your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You're a different person. If you're in Christ, okay, if you're in Christ, then the things of this world should not control you. The concerns of this world should not control you. The influence of this world should should not control you any longer. You are not limited by the things in this world, the things of this world. You are limitless in what God has called you to do. Nothing can get in the way of what God has called you to do. Jesus was not limited by or controlled by the things of this world. And we are in him. We are in him. The old self is gone. The new self has come. And we are in Christ. And that's all that matters. We are freed from the concerns of this world. And my friends, think about it. When, you're cons- free, when you are freed from the concerns of this world, you are free to move from self-centeredness to others-centeredness. And that's what we're talking about this morning. You have to get this concept down that you are you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Because when you realize that, the things of the world no longer control you. The fears of the world no longer control you. 
The stresses and anxieties and all the things that go on no longer control us so that we can focus less on ourselves and more on others. We can be others centered. It's much easier to focus on the concerns and the needs and the interests of other people when you're not consumed with those things yourself. What am I going to do? What happens if? Oh, my goodness. Who's in control of all things? God is. You're in God. You're in Christ. You're in God. You, you, you are no longer, okay, you're no longer trapped, no longer in bondage to the things of this world. The problem is we still live like we do. But the Bible says you need to free yourself from that so you can be other-centered and not self-centered. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, we talked about it last week. It's, it reminds us, do nothing out of selfish ambition, or vain conceit, rather in humility, in humility, value others above yourselves. Not the same as, that's not what it says. Value other people above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. That's what God wants us. That's growing. Okay, I'm growing in Christ. And the closer I get to Christ, the less of me and the more of Christ, the closer I get to Jesus Christ, the more I can focus on the needs of others and not on my own needs. Because God's going to take care of all those things. He takes care of the flowers of the field. He takes care of the birds of the air. He takes care of everything. He knows what I need. He'll give me what I need. I don't have to worry about those other things anymore. I can just focus on what God has called me to do. And God has called me to invest in the lives of other people. Like I said last week, when we truly understand what it means to die to self and we start living that out. Think about this. Think about this. Think about, think about you growing from here and you're growing now and you're Christ-centered and Christ is the most important thing in your life and all these other things no longer control how you feel, how you dress, how you look, how you have to talk, how you have to act, how you, whatever, all those things. Let, they're all gone now because your life is hidden in Christ, with Christ in God. Just think about that. If you can live that out, your life will be transformed. Your existence will be transformed. I believe every single person in this room longs, longs for that transformation. We take kids on trips to to Mexico or to Africa or to wherever. It doesn't matter where we go around the world. They get away from their phone. They get away from Facebook. They get away from Twitter. They get away from all the new things. They get away from all the and, and they and they just let that go. And after about three or four days, they they say, this is so relaxing. I don't have to worry about what she thinks or he thinks or he said or who's dating who or whatever else. All those things, go, they're just, they're gone out of their lives. And it's, it's transformational. But they come home and they get sucked right back into it. What I'm saying is it's transformational because you don't get sucked right back into it. And I believe that every single person here longs for that kind of transformation to be freed. Think about it. To be freed from the pressures and desires and temptations and worries and stresses and anxieties of the world around us. We, we struggle with that. We struggle with all those things because we struggle to actually live out what I'm talking about. That's where the struggle is. We desire, though, we long for it, but we struggle to live it out because there's so much pressure not to. There's so much pressure not to. 
And I'll tell you, one of the biggest pressures is people say, well, if I live a sacrificial life, if I start living the way you say uh, I'm supposed to live, if I start living that way, then I'm going to get stepped on. Okay, I'm going to get treated poorly. I'm going to get I'm going to get uh, emotionally abused in some way. Okay, and that's what you're thinking. That's why people hold back and they they can't get there. They long for that transformation. They can't can't get there because they can't live it out because that's what they're concerned about. They don't want to be treated that way. They don't want to get stepped on. They don't want to be mistreated. They don't want to they don't want to be taken advantage of. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that if you think that you're going to be taken advantage of, that people are going to step on you and all these other things, you are absolutely. Absolutely right. That's why I said this wasn't easy. You're sitting here, you're holding back because that might happen to you. And I'm telling you, you're absolutely right. So the question is for the rest of our time, how do we, how do we die to self? How do we become self-sacrificing, okay, and not become a doormat? Because that's not biblical. How do we become self-sacrificing? How do we die to self and not become a doormat? There's a few biblical principles I want to share with you. Two this week and two next week. Okay? The first one. The first one. We have to admit reality. Guys, we have to admit reality. Some of you guys are living in a fantasy. The reason the culture is the way it is today, there's a lot of people out there that somehow believe, and, and it's ingrained in them to know that this is not really home. They can't put it into words because they don't know Christ, but they, they realize that the world is not the way it should be. It's unfair, it's unjust, it, you know, some people get and some people don't have, and so they're fighting, and what they're fighting for is they're trying to bring, in, if you will, a new heaven and a new earth now. And so you can, you can have, mer- you can have pity on people. You really can. The people on the other side of the aisle that you hate so much sometimes, okay, the reason they say things that just drive you nuts is because your thought process is I'm going to, when I get a glorified body and I die, and I'm going to live in a new heaven and a new earth. And it's going to be perfect. There's not going to be the greed and the selfishness and it's not going to be unfair. It's not going to be unjust. That's coming. They don't know that. And they long for it in their hearts and they want to create it now. And that's why you have socialism, communism, all those kinds. Now, some of it's like just people trying to gain power. But there's a lot of people out there who look around and say, this isn't fair. This isn't right. And they're trying to create something they'll never get here on earth because they don't. They're not they're not in reality. Okay, they're not admitting reality. Reality is we live in a fallen world. We live in a fallen world filled with selfish, sinful people. And sometimes we're the selfish and sinful people. Sometimes we're behaving that way. Jeremiah seventeen nine reminds us, but the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Question, whose heart? Point to the person next to you. Point to him. Someone's pointing at you, just so you know that, okay? <laughs> right? The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Whose heart? My heart. I need to recognize that. I need to understand that. I need to come to grips with that. We have to admit that our culture is consumed with self-promotion and consumed with selfish ambition. And even our Christian culture, 
Everybody wants to be famous for something. I want to have a platform. I want to be famous. I want to be the most recognized. I want to be the greatest. I want to be, even in the Christian culture, that, that cultural thing has permeated even the church, even the Christian culture. Whether you're in ministry or you're in business, it becomes difficult to navigate all of the egos. People wanting like the guys I talked about, the two business guys, they both, both worked really hard on this project and they were friends. And given the opportunity, the one friend decided, you know what? I'm more important than this person. It's only business. It's just business. So he goes behind his back, secures himself a stronger position in the company and leaves his friend behind. Taking all of it for himself. So the question is, we have to process through as we go through this. How do you deal with it when people treat you that way? How do you deal with it when someone takes more of the credit than they deserve in whatever, whether it's in business or in ministry or in your family? I don't know. How do you deal with that in some, and when it happens in some area of your life? Does God expect you to blindly give of yourself to others while allowing those people to crush you in the process. Does God, does God expect you to just blindly go along with someone who's going to behave that way and crush you in the process? Now, it's a balancing act, and we're going to talk it through. This is really difficult. It's a real balancing act, but the answer is no. God doesn't expect that from you. From Genesis to Revelation, you take all the Bible in context. No, God doesn't expect for you to just be crushed by everyone around you without any thought given to it. You just let anybody do what they want to do to you. So how do we navigate the selfishness and often cruelty of the world while still living a sacrificial life? How do we navigate through this? Because God calls you to be sacrificial. God calls you to die to self. No question about it. So how do you navigate through the selfishness and cruelty of this world? Paul faced this same, this same type of challenge in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 8. And he gives us some really profound principles. Really some profound thoughts around this. Okay, so this is like a 30,000 foot principle of how do I deal with it when these kinds of things happen to me because they happen to all of us. How do I deal with it? Do I just go in and say, you know, die to self, let the person take advantage, do what they want to do? How do I deal with it? Well, Paul, in Philippians chapter 1, verse 18, Paul's in prison. And while he's in prison, he has these other Christians running around outside, sharing the gospel with people, building up their ministry, basically in order to make to hurt him, to make him feel jealous. They want him to be miserable in prison. While he's in prison, they're running around, ah, man, and a boo-boo, you're in there, we're out here, we're going to build big ministry while you're in prison, right? And their motives are completely wrong. Their attitudes are completely wrong and they're building all, they're reaching out to all these people and people are coming to know Christ and the ministry is actually growing. But as I read this, the most surprising, the most surprising thing about this text is how Paul's, the, the, is how Paul, Paul's celebration of the gospel truth basically overwhelms, if you were, overrides his sorrow of their divisive, destructive motives. It's not, he goes somewhere else. He goes some, he goes somewhere else. People, other people be like, those no goods, get on the phone. You gotta tell those people and you gotta whatever and you gotta, we gotta make sure and we can make sure. And that's not what Paul does. Let's do what he does. In Philippians chapter 1 verses 15 through 18 he says, It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry. 
but others out of goodwill. The latter do so in love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? Okay, you think, let's just go past that. Just wait, time out. Whoa, 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 whoa. All right. Most of us would be seething. Absolutely seething. I'm in prison for preaching the gospel. I'm doing the right thing. Number one, we shake our fists at God saying, why are you put me in prison? These people are bums. They're out there becoming whatever and, 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 you know, sharing the gospel and all this kind of stuff. He says, he's like, what does it matter? Some do it out of false motives. Some do it out of pure motives. He says, what does it matter? The important thing is, this is the principle. The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of that, I rejoice. So he's rejoicing with the fact that he's in prison and they're out there trying to hurt him and make him feel jealous. He's rejoicing in that. Why? Because Christ is being preached. And what does it matter? My, I win. Paul's thinking, I win. I died to those things. And my life is now hidden with Christ in God. I died to those things. You're out doing exactly what God's called me to do. So if, if your motives are to harm me and you're preaching the gospel even more and your selfishness wants to build your thing, but people are coming to know Christ and lives are being changed, <laughs> wonderful. I rejoice in that. Have at it. Oh, my goodness gracious. You, got, you can't just read this. You've got to apply it to your own life. How would you feel? What Paul is telling us is this. If the kingdom of God is being built up and people's lives are being transformed, what does it matter? What does it matter? Humble yourself and let God speak for you and let others speak for you while you're in prison. I mean, speak for you in your defense because they were, they, were they were discouraging Paul and saying things against Paul. What does it matter? Let God speak for you. Let others talk for you. Because here's the thing, guys. Just so you know, none of this goes unpunished and none of it goes un, unseen by God. In, in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 1, he basically says this, that if you take credit for things here on earth, if you take all the credit now, that's all you get. Because when you go from justification to sanctification, ongoing process to glorification, you stand before God in heaven, you get no credit for any of that. All the things you did here on earth with the wrong motives, okay, with the wrong attitude, the wrong perspective, all the things you did on earth to get all the accolades that you're in the magazine so that you're in this, so you're good that, you write the, all those things, done, you're done. You took all the credit here, that's all you get. That's what it says in Matthew chapter 1, um, chapter 6 and verse 1. So don't fight back is his point. Don't fight back, let it go. Let, let, let God over a period of time let him take care of that. Let him make that right. Let truth and time walk hand in hand. Let truth and time walk hand in hand. So in this case, what he's saying is that that happens if the gospel, if the kingdom of God is being moved forward and people's lives are being transformed, okay, then you die to self. Let it go. You die to self. Now, on the other hand, if the kingdom of God is being negatively affected, it is not being advanced and people's lives are negatively affected by their behavior, then you need to confront the issue with them, okay? You need to speak the truth to them in love. You need to go, you need to sit down and speak the truth in love. And because you love them and you don't want to see their lives end up the way they're going to end up. So you sit down with them, you point out the truth, and if the person just denies it, which they usually do, 
because it's pride and selfishness and all those things are consuming them, then what you may need to do is you may need to distance yourself. You may need to put boundaries around that relationship. You may need to move yourself away from that situation and lay those boundaries out in that relationship. Dying to self does not mean letting... Listen, when you die to self, when God says you need to die to self, okay, it doesn't mean letting everyone around you get their way. Because that is not spiritually healthy for them, and it is not spiritually healthy for you. It's not spiritually healthy for anyone. If you're, if I'm telling you to die to self, okay, and be selfless and sacrifice for other people, that does not mean, the Bible says, that does not mean you let everyone around you do what they want. You give them their way. A loving thing is if someone's doing something that's not correct, that's wrong, that will harm them, then you take yourself out. Even though you love to sit back, honest, let's just be honest. You love, sometimes you love to sit back and go, go for it. You're old enough where you know the end result, right? Go for it. Because you know they're about to crash. Love comes alongside and says, I love this person more than I'd like to see him crash. Okay? To say, told you so. I love them enough to sit down with them and try to speak truth into their lives so I can, I, can, I can help them avoid the trouble that they're about to face, not only in this life, but also in the next. It is not healthy to allow people around you to do whatever they choose to do, to have their way. Here's the reality. Here, this is why this is so difficult. Self-sacrifice, dying to self, is exhausting. It's exhausting. It takes so much out of you. It can be painful. It can be arduous. And honestly, to be really honest with you, to be really honest with you, a lot of the time, much of the time, it's completely thankless. How many times have you seriously in your life stepped up and said, I'm going to put this person before myself. I'm going to sacrifice. I'm going to put their needs first. And you do it and you do it all. And what do you get for it? Bupkis. One of my favorite words. It's a biblical, it means in Greek. I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's a Greer word, bupkis. That's what you get for it, right? And it's like, what on earth? There's, you know, here's the thing. There, are no, there is no shortage of people who are ready and willing to take advantage of your willingness to give. They're everywhere. There's no shortage of folks who, 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 are, not, who are not ready to take advantage of your willingness to give. But here, 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 here it comes, okay? When you're here, you say, that's ridiculous. I'm not doing that. I, I got my rights and that's wrong and that person, whatever. But as you grow and you become more mature in Christ, something, something happens and you realize something. You go from a temporal perspective, that's not fair, this isn't right, and you hang on to those things, to an eternal perspective. In an eternal perspective, in a biblical perspective, the Bible is absolutely clear. Christians, Christians, you, you as an individual, tell your own name to yourself, okay? You, you need to be known to ha- as having a sacrificial heart. You need to be known for that. You need to reflect Jesus Christ. You need to reflect his life. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 10, it says it again. Be devoted to one another in love. Listen to what it says. Honor one another above yourselves. Honor one another above yourselves. That means if you're going to err, you're going to err on the side of giving the other person more credit. 
pride, man, pride comes up. Because you know what it is, honestly? Talking to, uh, you know, you got to prove something to every, you got to prove something to your father, your mother, your friends, your people. You got to chip on you. You got to prove it to them. And, you're gonna, and your pride wells up. And the idea of not getting the credit, not getting the accolades, not getting this, well, then they're going to, people are going to think, and they're not going to think that I'm, and they're going to feel, and I don't know, that's what it is, right? Me, I need to, I, I need to prove to. I was sitting in my office about 15 years ago, and I was doing something, and I stopped and I said to myself, Jeff Greer, who are you trying to prove this to? Who are you trying to prove this to? Who are you trying to impress? I honestly was going through it. Is my dad? Am I trying to, do I have to prove something? Even though he's not, he wasn't there, but am I trying to prove something to him? Because it was, it was like the Holy Spirit asked me, who are you, I'm sorry, who are you trying to impress here? Who are you trying to prove something to? And that's the reason we hold back. We are supposed to be known for a sacrificial heart. We're supposed to put others before we think of others before ourselves. We're supposed to err on the side of giving credit to someone else and not giving all the credit to ourselves. We're supposed to die, okay? We're supposed to die to self so that our lives reflect reflect the nature of Jesus Christ. That's who we're supposed to be. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5 and following, it, it basically says, your attitude, my attitude, my heart, should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Because I'm in Him. I died and my life is now hidden with Him in God. So I'm in Christ. My attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. Listen to this. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God, equal with God, something to be grasped, to be owned, to be, to be used here on earth, but made himself nothing, nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. And being found in human likeness and found in appearance of man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. But he humbled himself. He came to earth in very nature. God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, made himself nothing, taking on the very nature of a servant. I'm going to say this again. A few months ago, someone said to me, Christians love to talk about servanthood and being a servant until someone treats them like one. And then we know where we are. And it's okay to be anywhere here. It's okay, as long as you're moving forward. As long as when the Holy Spirit says, yeah, you keep, Jeff, you keep using that Philippians chapter 2 passage. That's your favorite passage in the Bible about being a servant of God and giving yourself in servanthood. And then all of a sudden, then someone starts treating you like, well, how does it feel there, buddy? And I said, not very good. I don't like it. People disrespecting me. They disrespected me. Let's see, the person I'm longing, honestly, just hold on for a second. The person I'm longing to be like, the person who I died and my life, my life is now hidden in, come with me on this journey, okay? The person I want to ultimately say, I'm conformed to the image of Jesus, died naked hanging on a cross, But dang it, if I'll let anybody disrespect me. We die to self. When we die to self, we no longer get our own way. 
We no longer, honestly, when we die to self, we no longer try. When we truly die to self, we no longer try to get our own way. We don't push our own agenda or self-inflated opinions on everyone else around us. You go into a meeting room. You're the, you're the A-type personality. There's 10 people in the room. You go in and you take over the meeting. Take it over. because That's your thing. There's nine other people in the room who have really good things to say. They probably don't get to say anything because they've got that like be whatever personality and they're more quiet. And what we should do, and, and if we're conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, is say our piece if it, it's helpful, if it's helpful, and then zip it because God gives us two ears and one mouth and ask, Joan, what do you, what do you think about that? John, what are, what are your thoughts? I know you, got, you are quiet, but man, you know, tell me what you're thinking. We don't let our own self-inflated opinions dominate the conversation. We stop, we stop desiring our own self-importance and thinking that we know the best way to do everything. And honestly, you know, no one around you can do anything because you know the best way to do it. You just know the best way. I don't, it doesn't matter what it is. If you've never read about it before or you're not an expert, you know the best way to do it. <laughs> We let, we, we need, here's what we, and we need to let, my point is we need to let go of those things. Let, you know, there's, a, there's something about letting someone else try something and failing. Who cares? That's fine. They learn something. Now they learn the right way to do it. But if you tell them the way to do it all the time, they're not going to learn anything except your opinion. And sooner or later, they're going to want to get away from your opinion. And the other thing we got to stop doing, we got to stop. We got to stop. We got to let go of trying to impress other people. We have to stop. Let, we have to let go of impressing all the other people around us. We spend so much time impressing everyone else. And here's the more important thing to that. Not only impressing those around us, okay, but finding our value, our worth, our identity in what other people think. That's one of the all-consuming things of our culture. You died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You died to those things. Did, I, I said this in the very beginning. Do you think Jesus Christ cared at all what the Romans thought? No. What the Pharisees thought? What the Sadducees thought? The religious leaders of his time? Would anyone, do you think he, that he would, oh my gosh, what are the Romans going to think about me doing this? Or what are the Pharisees going to, oh, ring my hands, ring my hands? Do you think God is sitting in heaven right now wringing his hands because of the present administration or the next administration? Oh, what am I going to do if he gets elected? Golly, I'm at a loss. At the end, okay, now at the end, the beginning, who's in control? God is in control. At the, in the end, who wins? So if you're, wait, maybe, so wait, hold on a second. So in the end, God wins. So if I'm, if I died and my life is now hidden with Christ in God, use your logic. If God wins, then I win. Then I win. We need to let go of those things that control us. People's opinions. Some of you younger ones, you live your entire lives consumed with what everybody, you dress the way you dress, you talk the way you talk, you act the way you act, you say what you say. Your thoughts are always, who's listening to what I'm saying? Your whole life is what other people think. Your value comes from it. Your worth comes from it. Your identity comes from it. What a big, fat waste. 
You're wasting, you're wasting your life. Think about what everybody, if you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God, the only person, the only thing that matters is who? Whose opinion matters? You're exactly right. It's the only opinion that matters. If you think about it, dying to self actually is a more relaxing way and an easier way to live because you're content even when you're overlooked. You're content when you're overlooked, even, even when you're intentionally forgotten. You're content. Isn't that an easier way to live? That no one can control you anymore? You don't get controlled by external because you're controlled by the internal, by the Holy Spirit of God. I, I, I'm a, like I, I say this every single week, and especially this morning and next week, none of this is easy. Okay, guys, this is so difficult. To, this is so, I'm giving you, I'm feeding you meat. I'm force feeding you, if you will, big giant steaks this morning. Okay, there's no milk here. This is a big giant steak. All right. Yeah, and it is, it is real. <laughs> it is so difficult. It is not easy at all. But remember, we talked about this a few weeks ago. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13, Paul says that we need to work out our salvation. Remember we said that? We need to work out our salvation. And then we talked about Strabo, who is a Roman philosopher, who 60 years before Paul, actually before Jesus was born, but even so, 60 years before Jesus was born, and before Paul wrote, you need to work this out, you know, you need to work out your salvation, he used the same Greek verb, okay, when he was talking about the mines that the Romans owned in Spain, and he was talking about the miners that they were working out, that they were mining out all the riches and all the wealth and all the value of the mines, the riches, the value, everything they wanted, everything they needed was in the mine and they needed to mine it out. They needed to work it out. Paul uses the same verb and he's saying you need to work out your salvation. Here's the point. Everything you when you died, OK, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God, everything you need to accomplish, everything we're talking about every single week, it's there. It's been planted in you. The seed has been planted. All you need to do, all the value, all the treasure is there. You just need to mine it out. You just need to work it out. That's, but it's there. I don't care if you're the weakest Christian in the room, okay? Spiritually. It's all there. Everything I'm telling you is in you. It is possible. Not just because it's you. You're so awesome. Because God is so awesome. And when you died, your life is now hidden with Christ in God. That is so cool. That is so awesome. That's so amazing. That's so encouraging. It's so uplifting. It's so dynamic. It's incredible. Someone say amen. Yeah, that's it. All right. The last, last point will take me just, it's real short here. It's basically what we've been talking about the last few seconds. Draw on God's power, not your own. That's the second principle. You need to draw on God's power, not your own. It's simple. You cannot pull this stuff off by yourself. You can't do it. Too often we strive for self-sacrifice in our own strength. But, it, but, but we can't do that. It cannot be done in our own strength. We need to trust in Christ. We need to trust in the Holy Spirit. By trusting in the Holy Spirit, we allow ourselves to become the person that God has created us to be. Listen, think about, I want you, I want you to think about this. Trusting in ourselves, tr- if we trust in ourselves to deny ourselves, that's an exercise in futility, right? 
Trusting in yourself. Go back to the first one. We have a sinful nature. The heart is deceitful above all things beyond cure. Who can understand it? Trusting in yourself to deny yourself to accomplish this is an exercise in futility. Self-sacrifice is draining not only to the body, but also to the spirit. It's challenging to the ego. It is sometimes overwhelming and makes us feel like death. You can, I said this earlier, you can pour out so much, right? You can pour out so much of yourself and feel like it is all in vain. And so here's the thing. Yes, we get to work at our salvation. So our, our own effort, okay, our own effort and our spiritual discipline is important. It's vitally important that we try, that we strive for it. But it's empty. That alone is empty if not by the power of the Holy Spirit working through you. Your, your effort and your self-discipline is vitally important, but it is empty if it's not the Holy Spirit's power working through you. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, it reminds us of this. But the fruit of the what? The Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Against those things, there is no law. So here's the thing. Considering other people, considering other people more important than yourself is a spiritual discipline that starts with, finds its power in, and its ultimate fulfillment in the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can, listen, it's been planted in you. It's there, okay? It's there. To become the person that we've been talking about all morning, it's there. And through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, it can come out. You can become that person. So yes, you need your own effort. Yes, you need self-sacrifice. But it will come through the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit in your life to ultimately accomplish this. But it's something that we can do. I'm going to stop there, okay? And we're going to talk about the next two points next week because I want to close with a time of communion. I want to take the time of communion. Next week, we're going to pick up right where we left off. And what I want to talk about next week is finding our value in God alone. How do I find my value, my worth, my identity in God alone? And then, how do I set boundaries up? If I want to be self-sacrificing, if I want to die to self, but I've got people who are willing to take and take and take and try to abuse and misuse me in the process, how do I set boundaries, spiritual boundaries around those folks? That are healthy and right. So we're gonna, we're gonna look at, uh, we're gonna look at 1 Corinthians now, chapter 11, verse, starting in verse 23, as we take communion, and as we remember what Jesus Christ has done for us. We're trying to become like Him. Let's try to remember what Jesus Christ has actually done for us. In 1 Corinthians 11:23, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So I'm going to pray for the bread and for the cup. When I'm finished praying for the bread and for the cup, the body and blood of Christ, without waiting for anyone else, you can get up after I'm done praying, go to the back. Both elements are there. You can take those, sit back down. You can come up here. You can pray whatever the Holy Spirit leads you to do. You don't have to wait for anybody else to drink of the cup or eat of the bread. You don't have to wait for anyone else after I'm done praying. 
Father God, thank you so much for this awesome day. Thank you, Lord God, for just the way you move in our lives. And God, thank you for a group of people who desire to be more like you. God, we're at different points in our spiritual journey. And it is so hard for us, Lord God, to accomplish what you call us to accomplish. But we know that it's in there. It's in each one of us. I pray that you would help us draw that out. That you would help us work that out. That you would help us mine that out. Dig that out and become more like your son, Jesus Christ. Who's done so much for us. We thank you for the bread which symbolizes his body. Which was given for us on the cross. Sacrifice for us on the cross. I pray, dear God, because of that sacrifice, that we would offer up our bodies as living sacrifices. That's what we're talking about this morning. Dying to self. I pray that we would offer up our body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. May this be our spiritual act of worship this morning. Father, I thank you for the cup which symbolizes the blood of Jesus shed for us. Because of that shed blood that covers us, we can enter into your presence. We can call you Abba. We can call you Daddy. We can call you Dad. We can come into your presence and talk to you like we talk to each other. This didn't happen before you, Jesus. But because of what you did on the cross, we have access to God the Father. We can talk to him. And we thank you for that privilege, God. We thank you for the privilege of being able to enter into your presence and talk to you because of what Jesus did on the cross. God, we pray that we would try, just try, Lord. Help us to try to live lives worthy of the calling that you've given to each of us in our lives. We love you, we praise you, we thank you. In Jesus' name, as we take this communion together, amen.